0: Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter ten today. One of my goals as a pastor and as a preacher, if I'm preaching anywhere. Oh, yeah, kids, you're dismissed for junior church, forgot to forgot to let them go. So I got a crowd walking out on me already, and I didn't even start to say what I was talking about yet. <laughs> but uh, one of my goals as a pastor is, or as a preacher, is whatever I'm preaching about, try to make sure I get the message across so people will leave maybe knowing a little more or understanding something a little better than they did when they came in. I don't want to confuse. And uh, there's a lot of subjects that there is a lot of confusion about because uh, dirty little secret is that not all religions are teaching the exact same thing. And uh, unfortunately, there are some variations and some differences. And uh, one of the big there was a time when, from religion to religion, there wasn't a huge difference because we were all using the same book. And when everybody was using the King James Bible, it was really, really hard to preach some of the things that are being preached now because people had right there in black and white in front of them what the scripture said. And but there was people that had agendas and. Didn't like a lot of what was being taught, and so they started changing things in the Bible. And now, uh, people don't have a final authority; they don't have something, uh, you know, definite. And Tommy didn't turn the other two things off. If you want to turn those, I think leave number five on. Uh, and that's the other two. But there's a buzzing going on. First, there you go. You got it. So, um, you know, but because of that, the variations in Bibles now people can preach just about whatever they want. And you can say, well, my Bible says this. And they'll say, well, my Bible says that. And uh, and so we've gotten ourselves into a mess. And of course, around here, uh, you know, we believe that we have a final authority. We believe that this King James Bible that we have is God's inspired and preserved word for the English-speaking people. And so if the Bible says something, we're confident that that is what is. And that is what we are supposed to do. And in one area where there is a lot of Confusion is when it comes to the ordinances of the local church. And we believe the two ordinances are baptism by immersion and the Lord's Supper. And there's there's a lot of confusion on those two things. And I'm hoping, and it's my prayer, that um, by the end of this message, you'll at least understand what we believe around here if you don't already. And it can maybe clarify some things to you. One thing i mean to mention, I have some tracks on the track rack out there that are specifically on baptism. And so if there is somebody that has questions about that, it's got an explanation. There has some Scripture verses. Uh, I'll be covering a lot of those here today. Or if you know somebody that maybe has questions about that, maybe they've made a profession, they are saved, but they've never been scripturally baptized. Uh, it's a good thing to give them, to take that next step because really what we're talking about today Is confessing Christ. Confessing Christ. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's ultimately the goal that we have as Christians and as soul winners is to for people to get saved. So they can know they're saved. They can know they're on their way to heaven. And right here it says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus believe in your heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Verse 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now I want to make sure that absolutely nothing I preach about today gets confused with works for salvation. I'm going to say it right from the get-go. I do not believe baptism saves anybody. I don't believe taking the Lord's Supper saves anybody. So you are saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. Um, in this passage we just read, thou confess thy mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart. You've got to believe in your heart. The thief on the cross... We know he didn't have a chance to get baptized. He didn't have a chance to take the Lord's Supper, but we see where he realized that he was a sinner and he called on the one that could save him. He called on Jesus Christ. He confessed Jesus Christ. And I I believe if he could have, I think he would have got baptized. I think he would have taken the Lord's Supper. And I don't want any of this to be confused as works for salvation. It's belief in Jesus Christ that saves you. And nothing else. But it does say here in the scripture, and many other places we're going to look at, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, I want to talk about confessing Christ and what that's meaning. Because I, I believe that baptism and the Lord's Supper are a huge part of that confessing Christ. When we think about confessing something, well, I mean, what do you think of? Uh, maybe you think about somebody who maybe they've been accused of a crime. And they're the maybe the police are talking to them and they're trying to get them to confess. They're trying to get them to tell the truth. They're just wanting to get to the bottom of it. They're wanting to find out what really happened. They want the truth. And, you know, and they'll tell them, you know, confess. What's the truth?" And sometimes people will make things up. Sometimes, but when a perp, but that's not really confessing, is it? They're lying. And when you confess the Lord Jesus, it's more than just saying it out loud. There are people all over that say, "I believe in Jesus Christ," but they're not confessing. They're not telling the truth. They they know the answers. They've been going to church long enough. They know what you're supposed to say. They know what the answer is supposed to be. Have you ever answered that question? Maybe you just you knew what somebody asked a question. You knew what they wanted to hear. Maybe your wife asks you, how does this dress look? You don't confess, maybe, during that time because maybe you just give the answer you know she wants to hear, oh, that looks looks beautiful. But if you were to confess, (laughs) you're probably going to get yourself in trouble in that situation. And confessing is when we are telling the truth what we really believe. And there are people out there who say that they believe that Jesus is a Christ, that they believe He's the way to salvation, but they're just saying it. They don't really believe it in their heart. And if that's the case, there is no salvation there. However, if you really believe it in your heart, we see in the Scripture that I believe that you're going to confess it with your mouth. I was talking to a friend of mine one time. His wife knows sign language. And she led a person who was unable to speak to the Lord through sign language. Gave him the plan of salvation. You know, They would read it. And that guy, he prayed the sinner's prayer with his hands. And I wasn't there to see that, but I remember when he, when her husband told me about that, I said, I don't know if that guy really got saved. And he just kind of looked at me and I said, the Bible says with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. And it's like, it doesn't say with the hands. And the, But the thing is, what it's talking about there, that belief in the heart, you're going to confess it. You're going to show it. And if that's the way of communicating, then he... Followed that verse to the letter, I believe. He confessed it. He made it known. He wasn't ashamed of it. And one of the things that the ordinances in the local church that I believe is a part of confessing Christ is baptism. Believers' baptism. We believe each person claiming Christ as Savior should promptly make public his or her profession of Christ and that each new Christian should follow the Lord's command for believers' baptism, that such scriptural baptism is always by immersion after salvation. And that baptism does not save, but that it is the Lord's prescribed way for us to identify ourselves with Him in open confession, that, and that baptism is a symbolic representation, a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you some verses in the Bible. That's why we believe that that baptism. We've got a baptismal back there, and we've many of you in here have been baptized here in this place in that baptistry, or maybe you were baptized in another Bible-believing church somewhere. But that baptism you did, there was a purpose for it. It was something that you did after salvation. There's been people who have been baptized before they got saved, and people ask, "Well, does that baptism count?" It's like, no. People who get baptized before they're saved just get wet. All right? That's what we call it. We call that getting wet. And our brother Jack Parchman, evangelist, he used to always say, you can get baptized so you know the name of every tadpole in the pond and it's not going to get you saved one bit. And it's, it, that's not what saves you, but it's something that identifies you with Christ after you get saved. What is, what is the purpose of it? What are we doing? Why, why do we do Baptisms, you know. Unfortunately, I think we've made baptism so convenient. You know, like nowadays, people will go and they'll just sprinkle somebody and call that baptism, even though that's not what they did in the Bible. We're going to see that and show some verses that definitely prove that. But you know, I was I was thinking about it when I was studying for this message. I think even sometimes baptizing, you know, in a church. Even though I don't think it's unscriptural, but I think a lot of the purpose of you know, back when they got baptized, back then they would go out to. The river, or a pond, or something, and they go out there. And I, I'm just picturing people in the early church, and they're seeing this group of people that's all walking down to a pond on a Sunday afternoon. What are these people doing, going out to the pond? They go. Nobody's got a fishing pole. Nobody has anything. They're down in the pond, and they got these people out there all standing around. There's a preacher out there and taking somebody, and they're just standing there and. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likes of His death, raised in the likes of His resurrection, I mean, put Him under water, pull Him up out of the water. And those people, can you imagine a lost person, maybe somebody doesn't know anything about religion, watching that and seeing that take place. And why did they do something like that? Why did God have them do that? Why did Jesus, when He was on earth, go to John the Baptist and get baptized in that same manner? It was. It's because it is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and what's supposed to happen at a baptism. Well, let's look at a few verses before we go into that. Matthew chapter ten, verse thirty-two. There is a purpose. Jesus doesn't just tell us to do stuff just to do it. There is a reason behind everything, and it says in Matthew ten thirty-two, "Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men." him will I confess also before My Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny Me before men, him will I also deny before My Father, which is in heaven. The Bible says someday there's going to be many that are going to say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Thy name? And Thy name cast out devils, and Thy name done many wonderful works. And He will say, depart from Me. I never knew you. Did you know when we stand before God on judgment day, Jesus Christ is not going to lie for anybody? He's not going to lie for anybody if he doesn't know you if he's going to tell that he's going to say it if he does know you he's going to say that he knows you and it says here that if you won't confess him before men he's not going to confess you before God Was well, that a work for salvation? No. The simple fact is if somebody gets saved there are things that are going to take place in their life. For one, when you get saved your eternal destination is changing. Well, that's a pretty big change that's taking place there. When you get saved, you go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. That's a pretty big change that's taking place right there. Do you think if God's going to change your eternal destination, if God's going to change you from being dead spiritually to alive spiritually, that it just might change a few things in your life too? I think it's pretty safe to say that it will. And... Somebody who says that they've been saved, but they're not willing to admit it. I really wonder about what they really believed in their heart. What would you all think about somebody who got married but didn't want to wear a wedding ring because they didn't want anybody to know? Maybe you went to that wedding and after they got married, they went and lived in separate places. Why'd they do that? They don't want, want people to know they're married. They want people... There's something seriously wrong there. Well, my wife and I got married. After we got married, we moved in together we lived together we became man and wife we're, I wear this ring everywhere I go wear it all the time and I'm not ashamed of it when I, we got married we called everybody we knew we sent out invitations to all our family and all our friends and we invited them to come to our wedding and we stood up there on a platform in front of we were watching the video the other day there, there was a full house that day I mean there was a bunch of people there and we all said our vows in front of everybody and you know what our faces didn't even turn red didn't even think, didn't even think about it. You know, we weren't embarrassed one bit. Uh, we weren't like, ah, oh, you know, this is this is really kind of a private thing between husband and wife. I don't think anybody needs to be there for it. Let's just go. Hey, and you can go to Justice of Peace get married. That's fine, and do it that way, and you'll you'll be just as married. But you know what? We weren't ashamed of it one bit. And people these days, it's like when it comes to salvation, and there's just something strange about this. They want everybody wants to be secret disciples. Everybody wants to be secret Christians. We just sang the song, Go Tell It on the Mountain. I mean, we're supposed to let it known that we are Christians, that we are saved. And one of the ways we do that is through baptism. What's people, I think for the most part, you know, maybe in our culture it's being forgotten more and more, they've always known... What baptism is? It was started with it was started with John the Baptist. He did it to his disciples. He did it to Jesus Christ. Then Jesus baptized his disciples, and they baptized those who got saved. And has been passed on throughout the ages to us. Matthew chapter that's and that's biblical. Matthew twenty eight verse nineteen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And the I am with you all the way even into the end of the world. To go, teach them, baptize them. And what's supposed to be happening when you see that group of people going maybe taking somebody down to the river to get baptized or even in church when they get baptized, basically what we're doing and what that person is doing is they are being obedient to Christ and they are publicly confessing when they're up there in that water that hey, I was, I was lost. I was a sinner. I deserved to go to hell. But Jesus Christ, He saved my soul. Jesus, the One who died on the cross and was buried. Buried in the likeness of His death. And the One who resurrected from the dead. That's what He did to me. He raised my spirit from the dead. It was Jesus Christ. What other God does that identify? Being buried and being rose again. Buddha's still dead. Muhammad's still dead. All those other gods are still dead. Who, does that, who is that a picture of? That's Jesus Christ. Anybody that knows anything about religion, watching baptism and hearing what's said and just the fact that we're doing it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, it is clear that that, hey, that person is a Christian. They believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus got baptized. Jesus baptized His disciples. He told His followers to baptize people. That's something that Christians do, and it is a public thing. And and said, you can, uh, that's why, you know, we're not going to just go, if somebody wants to get baptized, listen, I want to get baptized, but I don't want anybody to know it. I don't want anybody to see it. Can you just come baptize me in my swimming pool? Uh, Hey, I think you can get baptized scripturally in a swimming pool. But I think it ought to be a church thing. Maybe the church doesn't have a baptistry. Hey, we're going to have, we announced the church, we're going to have a baptism over at so and so's house today. They got a swimming pool, and we're going to go out there. We got a few people that got saved, and we're going to do it, and we're going to invite people to come and watch. And you know what? There might have been times where they kind of did it in secret, but that was because they were being. Persecuted because it was illegal. There are some countries where if they were out baptizing people in the river, I mean, they'd haul them off and arrest them right there. But when it comes to God's people, there's nothing secret about it. Anybody that comes into this church and gets saved, man, we want them to be a part of this church. We want them to be a member of this church. But if they're not even willing to confess Jesus publicly, I don't know how serious they are about this whole thing. And you know what we're we're gonna one of the requirements for for church membership, of course, is salvation and baptism. And if you were if you've already been baptized in another Bible believing church, you know that counts. God moves people from place to place, and but baptism is a part of it. Have you That's one of the things we ask people: Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you saved? You on your way to heaven? And the other question we ask: Have you been scripturally baptized through immersion? We ask those questions. And if they've done that, if there's a church out there somewhere that's like, yeah, this person, they're saved, they've been baptized, all right, we know this is somebody that can be a part of our church, that can be a member of our church and be a part of this body. They've identified themselves with Jesus Christ and with his church. We see also in Luke chapter 9 verse 23 and he said unto them all if any man will come after me let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me unfortunately many people one of the things that reasons people won't get baptized many times is pride the Bible says let him deny himself who does I don't like baptism deny yourself it's i I don't think it's really necessary deny yourself do what the Bible says. Take up your cross daily and follow Him. Jesus said to do it. Well, I don't understand why. Well, you know what? It's a good thing Naaman the leper wasn't like. You remember Naaman the leper? He had leprosy and Elisha told him go dip in the Jordan River seven times. At first, he was like some people. He got bad. Well, that's stupid. That's not going to do it. But then he finally went and he did it. He did what he was commanded. He had faith. And It worked. It was what was supposed to. It was it. it, He was cleansed of his leprosy, and you might not like it. Sprinkling might sound sound easier. It might. And Brother Gomer was talking about a church he went to that they did this. uh, That he was at one time, and they did the sprinkling and stuff. And he saw where they used to have a full baptistry, and he asked them about it. You know, why did you go to the sprinkling for convenience? You know, there's there's places I've heard they do like drive through communions. I drive through communions. I mean, folks, you know this is serious stuff here. Okay, you know we're not, we don't play around with this this stuff. This is it's serious. We're not trying to keep it secret. We are we're not ashamed to confess Christ, but we know that only the saved should be baptized. Should we baptize babies? Well, one uh, you'll never see you never see that anywhere in the Bible. Never see anybody baptizing a baby in the Bible. But you see people. After they get saved, get baptized. In Acts chapter 16 verse 30, the jailer said, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. I mean, right away they got baptized. Uh, in Romans chapter, or uh, in Acts chapter 2, Verse 41, after the day of Pentecost, and they that gladly received His Word were baptized. And the same day, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and prayer. We're we'll going to talk about that in a little bit. After they received His Word, can a little baby understand salvation? Can a newborn baby understand the concept of sin? And payment for sin, and no, no, it can't do that. It, it can't make that decision. We don't believe that a young baby who's never made a profession, if they die, they go to hell. We believe they go to heaven. And uh, there's some scriptures I could show you to back that up. But uh, it's something that is after somebody has gladly received, after they've confessed Christ... They get, they get baptized. That's the way it was always done. It was always by immersion. One example, there's other examples I can give of this, but in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Romans chapter 8, and verse 26. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south under the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza.'" which is desert. Now, this is important to remember that this is in the desert. Okay? Just keep that in mind. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Canis, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read, Isaiah the prophet, the book of Isaiah. Now, this Ethiopian, he was a man of great authority. A lot of times we read these, people think picture Philip and this Ethiopian By himself, but it was probably a whole caravan of people here. There would have been many people at this event. And then the Spirit said unto Philip, "Go near and join thyself to this chariot." Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, "Understandest what thou readest?" He's reading it out loud. Most time we read out loud, we're probably reading to other people. I don't know if he's reading to the group that he's with. Maybe the person driving his chariot. or see where he commands the chariot. To stand still, uh, and when they see the water, and I don't know what he's doing exactly, but Isaiah, or, uh, Philip hears him reading Isaiah, wonders if he understands it, and he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before a shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation for, uh, for his life is taken from the earth? And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He preached the gospel. So I can tell you exactly who Isaiah was talking about. It wasn't himself. He was talking about Jesus Christ. He would just walked this earth not too long ago. What he was writing about there just happened not many days before. And he preached unto him Jesus, and it doesn't give his whole sermon here, but it says as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, "See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized?" He got baptism in there somewhere when he was given that gospel. But there was a requirement before he could get baptized. Philip didn't just say, alright, go right ahead. Come on, let's go get baptized. He said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. If you believe with all your heart, you may. That tells me if you don't believe with all your heart, you may not. And he said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water. Okay, why did why did they if you if you could get baptized by sprinkling, they're traveling in the desert. I guarantee you they had water with them. So why didn't Ethiopia say, Hey, let's get some the water? Philip, take this, bless it, and turn it into holy water, all right, you know, in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, and all that stuff, and, and then just sprinkle them. No. Hey, here's some water. We can go down there and get baptized. And they went down into the water. And it says, uh, and when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Right there, that eunuch in front of all those people, in front of everybody, first thing he went, hey, I I believe. I'm saved. Let's let's do it. What what am I supposed to do? Well, you are supposed to get baptized? Here's water. Let's go get baptized. you believe with all your heart? Yes, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's go. And he went down. He got baptized. And he came up rejoicing. He was excited about it. He wasn't ashamed. He immediately confessed Christ publicly. was identified with His death, burial, and resurrection. And then that brings us to the second ordinance of the local church. And that's the Lord's Supper. We believe the Lord's Supper is the commemoration by the use of unleavened bread and of the fruit of the vine of the death of Christ until he comes again, and that is to be preceded always by a solemn self examination. In First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse twenty three, I want you to turn to first Corinthians eleven and verse twenty three. Says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also he took the cup, which when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come." Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. How are you unworthy? If you're lost. If you're not saved. If you've not been washed in the blood of Christ, what in the world are you doing taking that cup and identifying yourself with Jesus Christ when you don't even believe in your heart that He saved you? If you don't even believe that you're a sinner or there's another way to heaven... It says in verse 20, "...but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world." Why does God punish those of us who are saved? Because we're His children. And God wants us to judge ourselves. He wants us to examine ourselves as Christians. He wants us to make sure we're saved. He wants us to make sure that we're right with God. Why does He want us to examine ourselves? That way if something needs change in our life, we can change it, and He doesn't have to come and change things for us. Just like with your children, don't you like like didn't it, wasn't it better when they kind of governed themselves and you didn't have to constantly step in for every little thing? I mean, just yesterday, our kids—they were all getting ice cream, and it was turning into a battle. I was like, "Listen, we shouldn't have to step in and get your ice cream for you. All right, you guys figure this out. All right, you guys need to obviously some practice in, uh, you know, not being selfish and things. But if we got to step in and do everything, it's it's going to get ugly. And there might have to be some punishment that takes place. And sometimes, if we're not careful, God will punish us because we're His children." And the Lord's Supper is a time where we examine ourselves so we can fix it ourselves and God doesn't have to step in and do it for us. And if we don't, He will. But this act of the Lord's Supper, it's something that is is very important. It says in verse 21 of chapter 11, it says, For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another... Uh, is drunken, what have ye not houses to drink in or despise ye the church of God and shame them which have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? Or I praise you not. What he's saying here is when it comes to the Lord's Supper, it is something that is for everybody. Not just for the rich. It's for the rich and the poor. It's not something that we do to satisfy our appetite. When we had the Lord's Supper during Sunday school, I was this tiny little pieces of bread. Tiny little thing of grape juice. Nobody leaves the Lord's Supper thinking, wow, that was a good meal. I'm feeling a lot better. That's not what it's it's for. That's not what it's about. But we're not to be guilty of disorder and temperance and gluttony. But what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to have this attitude that we are here as Christians. Once again, with the Lord's Supper, we're identifying ourselves with Jesus Christ. He... That last night He was on earth. He got together with His disciples and they ate that unleavened bread. They drank that fruit of the vine, as Jesus called it. It wasn't alcoholic wine. He called it fruit of the vine. There in Matthew. Grape juice is what we use. We use 100% grape juice. And that, that's what Jesus would have used. Um, and Jesus told His disciples... For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. There's many, we don't have time to go into all the scriptures, but there are many times when the church, they would come together and they would do that as a time of remembering Jesus Christ. Remembering when Jesus had that supper with them and also looking forward to the time when they would do it. He said, I'm not going to drink this fruit of the vine again until I drink it anew with you in heaven. Someday we're going to have a final Lord's Supper in heaven. One, one, one more. There's going to be one last time. Maybe this was the last one we'll ever do on earth. I don't know. We might do many more, but someday we're going to do it with Him in heaven. And when we take that Lord's Supper, it's another public thing that we do. When He said, "Take, eat, this is My body, which was broken for you." When we take that bread, well, that is a picture of is Jesus' body that was broken. For us, What we're saying is Jesus paid for my sins. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. That cup that represents His blood. We're saying Jesus shed His blood for me. And I'm saved today, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus did. Because of His shed blood. And we're not perfect by any means, but we're looking forward to that day when He resurrects us. And we uh, we talk about that in Sunday school in 1 Corinthians. You keep on reading in chapter 15. We see how that all works, and what an exciting thing it is. But what we're doing is we're basically doing what Jesus did with his disciples. When people see the Lord's Supper, that's just not something you're going to see. People don't make a meal out of those things, do they? That is a, that's a church thing. That's a Christian thing. That's a thing that they got from Jesus. And he, and also when we are doing that, what we're saying, uh, we're saved. Through the work of Jesus Christ only. Not any work of our own. But you know what we're also saying when we do that? We're also doing this because one of these days, we're going to do this with Him. One of these days, we're going to drink that fruit of the vine with Christ. We're going to eat that unleavened bread with Jesus Christ. Someday, what we did this morning in Sunday school, someday, we're going to do it, we're all going to do it with Jesus Christ. And we are publicly participating in this. We are publicly confessing Christ. We're letting people know what these two things have in common is they publicly identify us with Jesus Christ and with His church. These are not things that we do. My wife and kids, we're not going to go and have Lord's Supper just at our house. That's a church thing. It's something we do in the church with God's people. When it comes to baptism, when you know, when uh, our kids—they've all made professions except Allie. When Allie gets to that age and she makes a profession, we're not going to keep it quiet and go baptize her in our bathtub. You know, like you're the pastor, you can get away with that. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. It's going to be public, and publicly, we're going to bring her in here, and we don't make our kids do it. When Chloe—I remember when Chloe first got saved. I and mean, she, she had made a profession, and she actually made another profession later, but I remember kind of, I remember it was, it was kind of cute. She had made a profession, and we talked to her about baptisms, and she's like, "Well, I don't want to get baptized." And we said, "Well, after you get saved, you're supposed to get baptized. Well Well, if I have to get baptized, I don't want to be saved." <laughs> and you know what? Uh, you know we didn't, we didn't make her get baptized. You can't make that choice for anybody else. But you know what later when she made a profession, we believe she really got it. We didn't have any trouble. She didn't mind doing it. She went ahead and she got she got baptized. Publicly confessing. These are public things. We're confessing Christ. We're not secret disciples. And boy, people act like that. In America, where we have religious freedom, they don't want to confess Christ. Well, I think we need to keep our religion to ourselves. Well, I'm not talking about throwing it in people's faces. But we don't mind. And we are supposed to publicly do these things. We are a Baptist church. We baptize people. You know how we got our name, Baptist? Just a little history on that. You know, in the Bible, they didn't call it a Baptist church. They just called it the church, didn't they? But, fourth century, the Catholic church came along and they started sprinkling people and doing all those other crazy things that they did. And the real church, when somebody would get saved that came out of that Catholic church, that had been baptized in the Catholic Church, you know what they would do? They'd baptize them after they got saved. And boy, the Catholics, they didn't like that. And they called us Anabaptists, which meant re-baptizers. Them re-baptizers? What are they doing baptizing people that we already baptized? And the true church is like, they just got wet. These folks got saved, and yeah, we just scripturally baptize them and so and the baptists they kind of resented the whole re-baptizing part because they never really got baptized so they kind of dropped the anna and just went with baptist we're baptizers we're public about our beliefs we don't mind identifying ourselves with jesus christ we don't mind a cross being on the top of our building that reminds people of Jesus Christ. We don't mind baptizing. Jesus Christ, He's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father, but by Him, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus is the one who saved our souls. Jesus is the one that we're going to stand before on Judgment Day. And He gave us two ordinances in the local church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And we should not be ashamed of either of those things. We should not be ashamed of to confess Christ. I'm not saying do these things or you're going to hell. That doesn't say that in the Bible. But it does say, Whosoever believeth on me shall not be ashamed. Whosoever believeth on me shall not be ashamed. I worry when somebody says I believe, but I'm ashamed. My Bible says something different. Whosoever, if you really believe, you're not going to be ashamed. You're not going to mind doing those things. So let's all stand together, our heads bowed and eyes closed.